everybody. Welcome to UGA Sports Live. My name is Roddy Dabulsi. I'm joined by Dane Young and Jim Donnan. Coach Donnan, of course, is the former Georgia Bulldogs head coach, and we are pleased that he's with us every Tuesday to answer our questions that we pepper him with. And, of course, you can have answer, ask him your questions as well. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube or Facebook or wherever, I think we're even on LinkedIn, go ahead and just put your questions into the chat there, and we will try to do a better job this week than previous weeks of getting uh, coach take on your questions. So drop them in there. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. Hit that like button while you are here. Uh, coach, we finally have actual football to talk about. Not a practice, not a scrimmage, not a, uh, a signing day, but actual Georgia football. And Georgia won handily, but uh, it kind of feels like last year when they uh, didn't, you know, beat some of the other uh, teams 70 to nothing. Some of the Georgia fans weren't exactly happy with it. And uh, I thought Kirby Smart did a good job yesterday explaining, uh, you know, some of the things that went on in the game, but also pointing out that uh, this is Carson Beck's first start. This is Ernest Green's first start. C.J. Allen, who got the most number of snaps at the inside linebacker spot, that was his first start. There's a lot of new faces out there, but we, as a fan base and as a media members, just decided they should roll out there and go 65 to 7 like they did TCU or, or even worse. And I think that was kind of a little bit of a uh, unfair expectation. But I, want, I really want to get your take because we watched the game with you. You made some good points. Not everybody got to see it. Although 30,000 people watched the watch along. So we appreciate everybody that joined us. Uh, but, Coach, give us your take now that you've had some time to digest it and kind of look back at the film. Yeah, I mean, one of the things you always do is do an appraisal uh, after the fact. And uh, one of the what I tried to do was look at it as objectively as I can because people give me uh, a lot of grief about being a homer. But I want everybody <laughs> out there, including people that work for rivals that are, are quick to and all these other people. We lost five guys on offense that are on NFL rosters, both tackles, a tight end, a quarterback, and a receiver and a running back. We lost our best receiver in the transfer portal and starting for the University of Texas will be drafted probably second or third round. So that's six players off your offense that you had for the last game when you scored 65 points. Then you couple in the fact that your two best receivers, one of them preseason all SEC, didn't even dress, and the other one who's been a starter and a leader on your special teams didn't dress. So now we're up to seven players there. And your two best backs that are returning only play between them nine plays in the game. The other back didn't play at all. So for us to be so uh, uh, down on our team for scoring 41 points is really kind of unbelievable to me. But at the same time, we have created a monster but let's be objective in our realization about what you have to do. Offensive football, you can't just throw your jocks out there and expect to be uh, on, a, on a great page. Uh, Carson Beck had the most yards of any starting young quarterback. That, I mean, he's the older guy of any guy that we've ever had except the one start that Beck did in the Kirby Smart area. Era, I mean, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, Bennett did. So – Without me getting on a soapbox, I think it's important to realize who we didn't have in this game. But we didn't look like we we needed to. But I also give Tennessee Martin a little credit watching the tape. 
they sold the ranch. They took a lot of chances. Sometimes they worked, sometimes they didn't. And when you throw the ball and you don't catch it, you're not going to hurt them. We missed some plays that were there. Kirby mentioned that. But, you know, I'm not ready to uh, be quite as much in a situation where I'm ready to slash my throat because <laughs> I saw a lot of really good defensive young players. I saw an offensive lineman in his first start that really looked extremely good at left tackle. And I'm encouraged by our, by our team. But it, it's still important that you really assess what you're looking at there. And it's just hard to see some of these teams in the country that get wins and everybody's all excited about their team, but we're not excited about ours. So we'll see how it goes. But uh, I'm kind of a loss for words and what else to say, but I'm having a hard time being on these shows and talking about Georgia uh, when it's not my job to, to defend them, but I have a hard time uh, doing this stuff. So, uh, Let's all get real here. Let's look at what we got and be thankful we won 18 straight games. So let's go on with the questions. But I think that reality pill is pretty much a true statement there on who we didn't play with as compared to who we got. Coach, I'm one of those pundits that you're talking about because I went on the post-game overreaction show. I had some visceral reactions to what I thought was some inaccurate downfield passing from Carson Beck. But when I rewatched it, I was I was wrong in what I said about him. He had a solid game. He did a lot of really good things. And that took me rewatching it to see. But what I learned, and I think this is what Kirby Smart was saying, was how limited the offense was choosing to be of Carson Beck's 21 completions, 14 of those were completions that happened within one yard of the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage. So it was very much a let's scatter the ball to our playmakers and let them run from there. Uh, 91 yards is the total amount that it passed if you took out the yards after the catch. Now that's a piece of the game. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that when I rewatched it, it was he's distributing, he's decision-making. I still have some concerns about downfield accuracy, but it's more of an incomplete than it is not seeing it. Georgia just didn't do that in that game. It didn't have to. Yeah. I mean, hey, let's do this show without Wi-Fi. Let's do this show, with, uh, you know, on the, on, the, on the old flip phones. That's what you're doing when you don't have uh, Tom, uh, uh, Rosemis and uh, McConkie. You, you don't have guys you've been used to throwing to. You got two transfers in here that you've been practicing with, but, but you know, I, I really feel like you, you make it some accurate deals about we didn't do some things that we needed to do, but I've seen these guys practice. I know what they're capable of. I wouldn't want to play against them. Uh, I wouldn't trade this team for anybody that I saw. So uh, we'll see how it works. But uh, I, I think when you add Milton and Edwards in there, the offense is going to be a lot more productive, making cuts, making quick moves, hard to tackle in the open field. Rod, you know, Roderick Robinson ran good, but he ran where, you know, where the holes were. That was it. So you add the running game and you add these other two receivers, and uh, we'll see how it works. But defensively, I was really encouraged with the tackling. But look at this to, from a coaching perspective. If you watch that game, did you get any kind of uh, feeling that we were a sloppy team? Did we get lined up right? Did we have any called timeouts because of motion? Uh, did we uh, jump off sides? Uh, we looked well organized there. Our defense had a couple penalties. We're going to get those penalties in the Kirby Smart routine because that's the way our DBs play. But uh, 
you know, it's it's just a case of uh, I I feel like the rest of the show. Let me just answer answer the questions because <laughs> I don't want to be on the defense here. I, I'm really not making any excuses. I'm taking I'm taking a reality pill about it's hard to mesh and make a football team look as good as you want to in your first game with that many question marks. Uh, not even playing, and you add those other guys to the mix. I mean, what else can you expect from Brock Bowers? I mean, we could have probably thrown him the whole game, but why take a chance on him getting hurt because we're trying to make everybody feel good? But uh, no, I think you're right, Coach. When you look at it, there's you had your three interior deep offensive linemen were the same, your tight end was the same. Other than that, it was you know, quarterbacks different, running backs are different, other wide receivers out there, slot guys different. Hell, Mikai Muse, we didn't, we didn't talk about him until spring, so. Uh, out of 11, you had four guys or, you know, out there that were basically played a huge part of that 2022 championship game. And I, I don't mean to cut you off, but I just want to point out before I forget it, because, you know, I have a short memory. The UT Martin coach sent it very good at his job. He actually said in the postgame uh, interview, he said, we sold out to stop the run. And you kept pointing out on the watch long show how, uh, there's, you know, Georgia has five blockers, maybe six. You don't have Darnell Washington. You don't have a blocker like him anymore. Uh, that's not a, a shot at anybody else on there, but Darnell's special. And when they bring six, eight to the box, they're going to make you throw it. And the coach Simpson said, look, uh, this is a team. It's a lot easier for them just to hand the ball off and rip off a 50 yarder than it is to block the play, throw the ball, catch the ball, you know, at least make it a little bit more difficult for them. So by design, they sold out to stop the run. And you pointed out that sometimes that is a gamble. What's the downside of that gamble? Big plays. And I pulled up yeah, the stats. You got to make them pay on that. There's no question. We didn't execute uh, some plays that were there. I mean, uh, hey, I, I can get on our execution, no question about it. No, but, well, but here's the execution, though. Long passes of 23 yards, 54 yards, 25 yards, 47 yards, 56 yards, 20 yards, 21 yards. Uh, they threw for 400 yards passing, and then th there were some big runs of uh, 27 yard, uh, 23 yards, 37 yards, 14 yards. So when they guessed wrong, as you said, you know, when they sell out to stop one thing – they open themselves up to something else. And even without the long downfield passing that Dane mentioned, you know, the, taking the deep shots, uh, you still gouged them for 400 yards passing. Five, that 559 yards of offense with the second and third strings in for a good chunk of the game would have been the fourth most in all of last year. So, Don't you think we look better than we did against Kent State and Sanford last year? Yes, uh, and infinitely better. And, I mean – and this is low-hanging fruit day, but you could be LSU, you could be South Carolina, you could be Clemson, <laughs> you could be uh, uh, any of these other teams that really struggled. I mean, hell, uh, Ohio State's not happy. So I, I think you're right, Coach, that we, we – it's, we, okay we, okay it's okay to be a little frustrated yeah. because you want to just look like a well-oiled machine and all that, but uh, – from my coaching perspective, you just analyze why he did things and why he didn't, and we we certainly have a lot of room for improvement, and we'll make it. But I thought yeah. our, I thought our kicking game was good. Our new freshman kicker came through. Our kickoff was great. I mean, can you know? Look at Clemson last night. They had two field goals blocked. They had two two uh, uh, turnovers inside the five that would have made a 
huge difference in that game. So uh, Florida, I mean, they had two guys on the field at the same time with the same number. So you can't rationalize it and um, make it anything that it isn't. But I do feel like the perspective of who we didn't play without compared to all these people looking at what we had last year is pretty, pretty dang saying here because uh, – but I do, do feel like, too – once you put Roseby in there, once you put McConkie in there, you're going to be able to do more things. I mean, if I'm like Bobo calling the plays, I'm not going to try all these funky formations and these different plays that the receivers got to read coverages and all that against T UT Martin uh, and take a chance on, you know, the one play where we had, where, where we were saying that the ball was behind uh, uh, Dominic, uh, love it. Kirby mentioned that there was a misread between the quarterback and the receiver. That's not going to happen with McConkey there, but Love it will get better at it. But the, the thing that always worried me as a coach offensively were, were how many times we stopped ourselves. You know, a guy doing the wrong uh, pickup on a blitz, a guy lining up in an outside position where he should have been a little tighter, just the little things. And I feel like that maybe the volume of stuff that we tried to do in this game hurt us a little bit because we stopped ourselves some, you know, uh, with, with some things. But the difference between offense and defense is the football. You can have 10 players on defense do a tremendous job and one guy fall down and they get a touchdown. He, on offense, it's not like that. I mean, a guy can uh, miss a block and all 10 of uh, the rest of them do the right thing. And the defender comes in there and hits a the guy. They had a great play on us when we ran a short yardage play. We knocked them back, but their corner came inside instead of lining up outside, and he, he faked us out, and there wasn't anybody to block him. So, yeah. uh, also, Coach, I also want to mention defense, too. Uh, I thought that it was interesting that uh, you had a new corner, you know, and uh, Julian Humphreys and uh, Dalen Ever got out there and a bunch of others. And then we saw a true freshman – setting the defense, calling the defensive plays, and C.J. Allen, he had 32 snaps, more snaps than anybody out there. Uh, granted, you know, you pulled some of your starters, but you didn't have Smile Munden out there. And we saw Smile get in for like six plays, but uh, one play, you just saw him run down somebody. And, again, your defense should have been a shutout. I'm still not convinced that that catch was a touchdown that uh, UT Martin had. But, again, it was on the third string anyway. But – Kirby Smart after said, hey, we're going to rely on our defense. And you've been telling us all year long that this year's defense is going to be better than last year's defense. And I'm like, how, how can they be? They're, they went 15-0, you know. Yeah, it's hyperbole. But what I saw on the defense out there, uh, I was pretty damn impressed. One thing that, look, as high as expectations are for Georgia fans, and they're skyrocketed, it should be back-to-back -back champs. Promise you, it's not more critical than what Kirby Smart and that coaching staff is doing inside the building over there. Like, they're nitpicking things that none of us saw. He seemed mad the whole game. I, I know it's in his way, but just I, I love watching uh, Kirby. And uh, I, I will give Kirby credit, you know, for in this. If you haven't watched the press conference from yesterday, he did take the time to explain a lot of things. You know, people had issues with the. Uh, Long pass right before the halftime. You know, you get down to the goal line pretty much, and then they call a run. And he says, "Look, there's just a there's a miscue. These things happen. We thought we were a little closer than we were, and uh, we you know that 
play didn't work. We had no timeouts. We had to spike it and then kick a field goal. Uh, okay, I mean, miss a uh, thing. But he – there. to your point, Coach, there's nothing where you're like, well, with LSU, I didn't think that LSU could cover. It looked like the FSU wide receivers were open every play. And if the issue is, you know, give me uh, Carson Beck trying to hit Aaron Smith in the back of the end zone, nine times out of ten, he makes that throw. Well, we saw the one time out of ten that he didn't. And we try to extrapolate that into something bigger. Uh, you talk about hurting yourself when uh, uh, Brock Vandegrift got in. Back-to-back penalties, you know, and they had to punt the ball away. But then the next time Brock got in – Two plays, 77 yards, touchdown. Long bomb to Ra Ra Thomas, and then a throw to Oscar Delp for a touchdown. So you see the capabilities of it. So I'm with you, Coach. It's uh, it's not a – we don't have the players. We don't have the right guys. It's uh, maybe Sometimes it's just a mistake here and yeah. getting back your other players. So I'm with you. I'm, I'm going you guys a trivia question. What is the combined record of Clemson and LSU in the last eight games for a piece? Ooh, they've lost a few. Clemson's lost three or four, right? Yeah. So LSU. Both so they're wow. uh, two, two and six? Two and six. LSU lost to Texas A&M. They lost to us. And then they lost, and then they won their bowl game. And then uh, Clemson at the end of the year lost to Notre Dame uh, and to uh, South Carolina. And then they lost this game. So they're two and six. And uh, that's – that's just the way things are, but you know all these prognosticators talking about them and all. But I would tell Dabo, you better look at that transfer portal, man. I mean, if you look what Florida State picked up. I know what they paid that kid from uh, from uh, Michigan State. <laughs> I know a school that was trying to get him, and uh, it wasn't a bunch of uh, of uh, Arby's uh, certificates. Steve, <laughs> I can tell you that. I mean, you look at Florida State, you look at Colorado. I know for a fact Colorado had multiple Georgia guys on its radar to try to pluck over there, and they'd be starting right now, and they're still at Georgia. Yeah, they stole a coach or a former assistant coach anyway, or not because staffer. Uh, But uh, I'll get on my Travis Hunter for Heisman uh, moment here. But but before we get to that, and we're going to start answering questions here in just a second. I do want to mention our friends over at Academia Brewing Company. I thought they had a great game day plan set up for uh, this past Saturday with a 6 o'clock game. They had a lot of people go there before the game. They had some people show up afterwards. Yesterday, they had a great car show. If you get a chance to go by their Facebook page, you can see all the fantastic cars they had. But they also have an actual game day beer that you can check out when you get a chance. Um, it's fantastic stuff. Uh, you can, uh, they also have their you know other famous beers or Death Rippers and their uh, – uh, not uh, not that are just really good. So they have a ton of fun stuff over there. They have a great place, a great place to actually watch the game, whether inside or outside. They have it set up with uh, indoor TVs, outdoor TVs, the lounge area, the the bar outside. The weather was beautiful. So I'm just saying that was a great place. If you weren't inside the stadium, you should swing by Academy Brewing Company and check them out. And while you're on that side of town, I want you to swing by our friends at Athens Ford. And this is something we hardly ever tell you about, but they will buy your car without you buying one from them. You can take one to them and uh, you can get a quote online. So you go online, uh, go to athensford.com, click on seller trade, and then hit the um, uh, buy your uh, uh, buy, uh, what's the word? Uh, buy our car. So um, you can just click on that one. Uh, it's 
you will tell you exactly um, uh, how much you can get for it. So let's say, hey, uh, here's my VIN number. Here's the instant cash offer. You can bring it to them. They check out that everything you told them about it was correct. And then they will uh, quickly drop in the, um, give you a certificate for either the trade-in value of it or they'll pay you for it. So it's pretty simple when you want to get rid of a car, take it to Athens Ford. They will take it off your hands um, so long as it's you know, in decent condition. But we never tell people about the fact that, you know, yeah, they do give you a great deal for trade-in, but they also will just flat out buy it because they need vehicles out there. So check out our friends at Athens Ford when you get a chance. Let's start with some questions from our supporters at ugasports.com from 1970 dog. This is for anybody timetable on getting some of those injured players back. That's a good one. Uh, yeah, actually, I mean, uh, I'm not Dr. Kildare, but uh, I think realistically, you got to feel like Milton and uh, London are pretty close. They said they were going to hold them out early. And I think they, the fact that they played last week showed that they feel pretty good about them. So, uh, Lucky's still going to be out a little while because he had that tightrope surgery. But uh, Edwards, I don't know if they'll use Edwards this week or not. You know, he had an MCL sprain. Uh, but we'll see how that rocks. But uh, Aguero got to play. He had a hamstring, but he looked good. Uh, who else we got? I don't know. I can't. Well, Marcus Rosemary Jack Saint was sat out. He, he was healthy, but he basically was being uh, suspended. Well, McConkey's. Got a, a, a back issue that they, you know, we're just having trouble with a muscle bruise, and you know they've been careful with him. But hopefully, he'll be able to go. Uh, Kirby said that uh, Lad was okay through part of the week, and then right towards the end on Friday, he started feeling bad, so they didn't do him uh, play him. Said Bajan was could have gone, but it's kind of a game time decision not to play him, and I think it was well warranted. Uh, but uh, if you can get. Uh, Marcus Roseby's fine. He'll be back. Get Lad McConkey back. Get Dejan Edwards. I, there was just a couple lanes that I just think Dejan could just tear up and get through there. So I'd love to see him. And get, get Kendall Milton. I mean, we he, he did play, and he was your leading rusher, but that was not a healthy Kendall Milton, you know, and especially after halftime, he started getting a little bit tight, so they had to pull it back a little bit. But when you get those guys healthy and get them back out there and, like you said, smile, uh, played some. Uh, again, coaches aren't rushing him back, and I think that that's huge. And it's easy to look at the players you don't have. But, I mean, Cash Jones had a good game catching out the backfield. Makai Muse looks like he's going to be a contributor for this team. That's important to develop that depth early. So when those other guys are back, you really have your your weapons in the holster for the season. Sure. And I think the fact that Delp had a chance on a couple balls, he got one call back for a holding film. They made a really tough catch there when uh, he was open and, uh, and Vandergrift just made sure he got it. But, uh, you know, he hasn't played an enormous amount of snaps. He got some good point reps in there last year, but uh, he's he's the number one guy in our two tight end configuration to, to accept uh, Brock Bowers. But uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to how this team develops. And uh, the thing that worried me going into the season was kicking game because you got a new punt returner, you got a new kickoff guy who's returning kickoffs. Uh, we had a kind of a weird kickoff return that we had. I think it was called one way, and then he just redirected and made some yardage, which was smart. But, uh, you know, hey, terrible job, but good job. You know, I mean, you didn't run where you're supposed to. But, but also, uh, it looks like Woodring is very confident, uh, you know, just 
got good rhythm. You know, I always look for a, a place kicker that just looks, you know, very relaxed in his in his get go. You know, when he gets lined up and everything, he just looks smooth and he's got a good arc and gets the ball up. So uh, it's going to be good to know that we got him for four years. Uh, uh, Jared Zirkle had seven touchbacks on nine kickoffs. So I know you're big on uh, getting the touchbacks on that. Yeah, and give uh, him credit too. That was right. He did a good job. Okay, uh, Peyton Woodring had uh, field goals of 23 and 33 yards. But you mentioned return guys. Makai Muse, he had uh, two punt returns um, for 19 yards. That's like, as you, you always point out, that's a first down. You know, every 10 yards is first down. And then on the kickoff, he had that 31-yarder that uh, came pretty close. So, I like Makai Muse back there. I mean, that's 50 yards in returns to go along with his um, 54-yard touchdown. That's a hell, of a hell of a good day for a walk-on. Yeah, this may be – the answer to this may be kicking, but Coach Big Fatty 94 says, what's your biggest takeaway that maybe the normal fans I could have missed? Oh, Big Fatty coming up with some really good questions there. Uh, you know, I think, uh, and I listened to Kirby yesterday, I, I think that, you know, our offensive line didn't block as consistently as you think they're going to, but the the, the kind of uh, look that they gave us, you're going to, you know, go back to Mississippi State two years ago when uh, we played them here and we couldn't run the ball hardly any, and JT passed for almost 400 yards because they, they take so many gaps away from you with, with their, their look, the way they do things. Uh, we're going to see a more conventional four-down defense this week. they got a really good safety, number three, Riley. Everybody needs to look for. Uh, he's either three or five. I'm not sure what his first number is. But, but they, they're more conventional offense and defense, and they, they don't blitz as much as uh, as Martin. So I think our running game won't have the propensity for having bad plays because you can't block everybody. But I would just say maybe our offensive line has got to be a little bit more in tune to handling the different looks than it was last week. Uh, it's number three, Jordan Riley for Ball State. Jordan, I got his first last name right. Yeah, I like, I like the um, the thing that caught my attention that I wasn't really prepared for. C.J. Smith. Talk about C.J. Allen, the inside linebacker, but C.J. Smith, a true freshman. And again, we saw the numbers he put up. He put up a lot of receiving yards. But I thought on the film, don't lie thing, you guys pointed out a. a Devastating block that he did. He picked up a cornerback. He's going to come along, Roddy. And I think yeah. you don't need to, to poo-poo is the fact that he, he's run some really track times that make him close to Arian Smith as far as overall speed. And Marset didn't play either the other day. That's right. I forgot about it. Out. So uh, we, we've got a plethora of receivers that have the potential, uh, you know, among which, you know, uh, Evans and those other guys, but uh, I, I just feel like it'll it'll be scary when these guys put it together. Yeah, DJ clean the guy's clock. I always love to see a freshman lay in the wood. Question from Bulldog82. Who has the best chance to step up as the guy on the defensive line, specifically at edge rusher? Well, it just depends on what kind of defense we're running. If we're in the third down, Stuff where we look like we had uh, Michael and uh, Walker out there. Those two guys on third down, a normal down, 
you know, Chambliss is going to get after you a little bit. And uh, I think for sure uh, Marvin Jones Jr. is coming along too. Uh, we'll see maybe one of those uh, Wilson guys too could, could be there too. We got a lot of different potential there. But the thing that, that all of us need to remember, if you watch college football, everybody that's missing, that, that, that doesn't have the, the ability to protect throws these quick release passes and it's hard to rush the passer. I mean, you, you, you either run an RPO or you catch it and throw it. I don't care if they didn't have a line standing there, you can't sack the guy. So all you can do is hope to hurry them, get some tip passes and, uh, you know, disrupt the quarterback from that perspective. Yeah, Michael Williams actually pointed that out yesterday. You know, talking about getting pressure on him, he says, no, most of them, all we can do is jump up and bat the ball down. And Kirby said, uh, they all of their passes were out in 2.1 seconds. He says, I don't care who you are. You can't cover that amount of distance, you know, even, as you say, unblocked in 2.1 seconds. And he said it's the same thing, same year, new year, same thing. So this is something that you've pointed out in past watch-alongs. Like, where are the sack numbers? You can't get them when it's pitch and catch. And Kirby said most sack, 50, excuse me, 50% of sacks happen after four seconds. In other words, you take that, you know, that five-step, seven-step, three-step drop, and you're looking downfield, and you actually have time for your outside linebackers to edge guys to actually get, affect the quarterback. He was a little disappointed in their havoc numbers, but he said, hey, you can't have havoc numbers when <laughs> there's no there's no one to havoc. So I thought that was a pretty good insight. But you could tell Michael wants his sack numbers, but he's like, hey, what the hell are you going to do when the guy gets it and tosses it? Question from Billy Zane. He says, I'd like to think I'm smart enough to know not to take too much away from a season opener against an FCS team. Heading into game two against a lower tier FBS team, do you think Georgia sees something similar uh, to what it did against UAB in 2021 with a wide open attack and aggressive defense? Or do you think this is still more conservative, looking for the best 22, 44 players to roll with going forward into South Carolina? Good question. Is he talking about our wide open attack? Yes. Yeah, I think we'll expand some things because uh, not necessarily about the type of plays we run, but the fact that we'll have more weapons to, ass- to assault them with. With uh, Like I mentioned, uh, guys that know the offense a little better and the other guys will play better with them in there. I mean, you, you can when you're not worried about is this guy going to block this guy or is this guy going to do that, uh, you're going to do better, but if all of a sudden you're trying to make up for somebody that doesn't really know ex- exactly what to do, then you don't do your job sometimes. So I think we'll have a similar uh, similar game than what we did, we did than when we played UAB. I don't know if we'll score as many points or not, but uh, I feel like our defense will wreak havoc on this team. It's going to be like playing against ourselves. They run a pro-style attack. I just think it will uh, will bombard these guys. They played Kentucky tough for the first half, but I, I don't see the Kentucky having the horses that Georgia does for sure. Yeah, I mean Kentucky's got the new quarterback, but uh, got, got some guys they had to replace on defense. But it's just hard to make comparisons, you know. I mean, different things happen in games and all like that. But uh, you know, last year Tennessee was only ahead of. Uh, UT Martin in, in the first quarter, and then all of a sudden bailed them out in the second quarter and got a lot of big hits. But uh, 
you know, Tennessee didn't look like that, that great until they got it rolling the other day. But Virginia now, I'm telling you now, Virginia, it's got to do – they got to hit – they got to get Thomas Jefferson in there and dig up some of those cans behind his monuments and get some money out more. I mean, they got to get some players. You poor UVA. Damn. I think they're a home underdog against Old Dominion. I'm pretty sure they are. Hey, Old Dominion's tough. I mean, they beat Virginia Tech two years ago. Uh, they're, Old Dominion's got a good program. ODU will punch you in the mouth. They're, 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 I think of ODU and I also think of like Troy as just two teams are just hard. Everything about them is hard. Roddy, let's uh, pause for a small break and continue with uh, questions after it. All right, I'm going to mention our friends over at uh, Your Pie. We always tell you, I mean, today's actually National Cheese Pizza Day. I love all these kind of made-up uh, excuses to indulge yourself uh, that you know for the whatever national day it is. You know, hey, National Pet Day, show pictures of your pets. Well, you want to show pictures of your pets, and so anyway. But this one I can get behind. I can get behind the National Cheese Pizza Day, and it's also it ha- occurs on Tuesday, which is their Double Points Day. So order your cheese pizzas, get double points on your pie app. But also, if you want to kind of make a change in your life, you want to do something different. They are still franchising these Your Pie locations. So if you want a Your Pie spot, like I said, I saw one recently in Delonica. I know there's one in LaGrange. There's 70 locations, um, over 70. Uh, hit up Your Pie, reach out to them and say, what does it take to franchise? I know for a fact that they will walk you through it. I've seen them do it. I've seen them reach out to friends of mine and get them into the business. So uh, if you want someone to, I mean, make it as easy as possible, reach out to your pie and ask them about franchising. Drew and Natalie will take great care of you. Speaking of kind of changing your lifestyle, I want you to mention, I want to mention our friends at myperfectfranchise.net now. Andy Ludecki, he's a huge supporter of our site. He supports uh, our, our daily recap. But, you know, we wouldn't have the daily recap without him. So when you go and read like all the George news, you're in a hurry and you want to get it. He, he does that. Uh, he helps us on this show. Um, by sponsoring it. Uh, this is a guy who's basically what he's trying to do is get out the message to UGA sports readers saying, look, I can help you get a new career, a new career arc, a new life pathway. I know of 3,000 different franchises that I can put you into. So if you will reach out to me for free, tell me what you're looking to do. I can guide you through it. So reach out to Andy Ledecky at myperfectfranchise.net. It's a free call. It's a free text. It's a Free, yeah, inf- requesting more information. He doesn't charge you a dime. Uh, the franchisees, the franchisers, actually pay him. So uh, reach out to him. And he, just like he's helped a lot of other Georgia fans, he will help you. Coach, you think Brandon Streeter is getting any work done today with all the people coming up to him asking about Clemson? You know, I, I don't think any coaches that used to be place revel and uh, somebody else getting beat. Uh, I mean, it's, you know, it's it's tough because you know the players, you know the families, and maybe people like us that, that you know, like I saw you did a tweet last night of a picture of him or something. But uh, just remind people where he was now. That's all that was. Well, he is here, that's for sure, and he's doing a good job. But I, I don't know that I can't speak for Brandon, but uh, Clemson's got some issues for sure. They they it's not necessarily changing coaches or what. I mean, they they need to get Frank Howard's uh, uh, trust and go into it and get some more instead of being I pay 20 a year and they need to pay like uh, two or 3000 a year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Blocker57 doesn't have a question, but does just say thanks for putting the show together every Tuesday. says, I look forward to it weekly, and y'all do a great job. Blocker57 is one of my favorite people in the dog vent. Uh, does great work, and um, really happy for that. So thanks. Dog Axe, uh, Coach, biggest game that you're looking forward to on Georgia's schedule. Also, do you have any thoughts on LSU's loss to Florida State? Yeah, I mean, the biggest game for me is the one this week uh, against the uh, – Such a coach answer. Oh, my God. It's like a coach, but, I mean, <laughs> you can't – you got to rectify the issues with our team and keep going. Fair, fair, good point. Certainly, uh, we, we're going to have – looking down the road, we, we're going to have some formidable opponents. Our first road game looks like Auburn – is better uh, just because their offensive line's better. Uh, you know, defensively, I don't know. Kentucky, we got them pretty quick. Uh, they look like they've improved a, a little bit offensively. But uh, every team is capable that on your schedule of, of doing some havoc with you. But as I've always said, most games are lost. They're not won. That Clemson game was lost last night in a lot of different ways in the way Clemson – you know, handed it on the silver platter. But you, you look at our last home loss against South Carolina, you know, the three turnovers we had. I mean, it's hard to beat a team when you do things like that. But with our defense and our kicking game, I think it's going to be hard for people to, uh, you know, get a W against us unless we just give it to them. And then LSU? Oh, as far as LSU. I was really surprised at the lack of running game that they had. I mean, their whole running game was based on Daniel scrambling. And then the, just the poor coaching decisions they made, it's like, you know, we're tough. We're going to knock it in there on that first drive. Instead of, you know, on the road, get three points and then down there again. And you know the play they're going to run. I mean, they ran it against Alabama, and it worked. But, you know, these guys scout you, Coach. Coach Kelly, they scout you. And the quarterback keep and throw the ball in the flat. I'm going to play that on short yardage. And it just came back to bite them. I was impressed with Florida State's talent uh, with their coaching. And, uh, you know, I'm not ready to put them in the playoffs like some of these scribes are. But they got to handle success, which is hard to do when you've been down. But they did win nine games last year. Uh, they got a tough road game at Clemson. I'm, I'm not going to bury Clemson yet, but tough place to play, but the thing Clemson's going to have to do is reunify their fan base. I mean, it's hard enough to play at home when your fans are kind of in between, but if all of a sudden that first quarter after they they should win this week, but when they play Florida State, if they start going a little bit backwards, get booed in their own stadium, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, it's always funny how the when the fan base is split, as we've seen at Georgia, you know, pro Mark Rick, anti Mark Rick, pro Drake from, anti Jake from. It's it 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 affects the game because I don't get too metaphysical on it, but it just feels like if something can go wrong, it does when you're like that. But whenever it's pulling the same way, like you saw it against Georgia against Arkansas, Georgia against Tennessee, go, going to the Sanford Stadium now is a nightmare uh, for opposing teams. And in the past, it hasn't. We had huge arguments on the dog vent. Now the dog vent's the biggest, oldest message board out there for Georgia sports. And we would have knockdown drag out fights between the people who would go and uh, to a game and they would complain about the people standing up the whole game. They're like, look, I'm sitting here. I don't want to stand the whole time. 
But if you're in front of me and you're standing up, I can't see the game, you know, and the people who are standing are like, look, get up and cheer the whole time. And it would be these knockdown drag out fights over it. But now I mean, you- it's like they got to stand, sit down a little bit. No, but you had some people who were like, I'm here to cheer and I'm going to be hoarse by the second quarter. And I, I understand both sides. I never took a side in it, but I, we, these fights, when you're not doing well, the small things come out and are just like in a relationship, you know, it's the, the small things bug you more when things aren't going well. Yeah. And uh, here's the thing about a team that I always remember that uh, back when Jack Nicholas was playing and winning so much, I mean, you look at all the majors he won, he won 18, but he was runner up. I don't know how many times in these majors, but. Uh, this guy said, hey, Jack Nicholas doesn't shoot a 68 every time he goes out there. Yeah. I mean, even Jack Nicholas is, you know, makes some mistakes. That's the same thing with a football team. You've got 11 players out there at once, and each guy's got to do his job. But uh, I, I feel good about our team. I mean, I, I, I thought the, the good far outweighed the bad in that game, I mean, to me. Yeah. But they, they answer the question about uh... – Particularly the youth youth of our team. Uh, the game I want to see, to me, is most interesting looking ahead because Coach makes a good point. Week two, you want to see the, all the changes. I want to see how Georgia fares at Auburn. How do the, all those new guys do in a hostile environment, you know, when it's just sideways and that place is really loud? They are, I don't say united, but they are so far away from where they were that uh, that will be interesting to see how they – yeah, how they play in front of that. How does your quarterback do? How does that left uh, tackle do? How do some of the new guys do in that stadium? That'll be very interesting. Just from a, uh, it's different. It's different on the road, no question. But I do think at this point that Auburn's got some big time delusions. <laughs> Tough logistical challenge for Auburn this week with a ten thirty Eastern kick time at Cal, and so they'll be flying back in the middle of the night, getting back to Auburn. I guess Sunday around noon, um, and that, that sets take, the whole week back. Are they going to charter? Or are they going to take uh, buses? Oh, no. <laughs> Save some money paying off horses. <laughs> I like Cal in that game. I really do. I like Cal. Make Harson drop the bus. He's under contract. <laughs> you talk about a home field situation at Cal. I got to throw this in here because. Some of the guys that listen to this like the stories. But I'm doing a game for ESPN and Cal's playing. I don't even know who they were playing. And I was worried about a parking pass. And uh, the producer said, you don't need a parking pass. You can just park. I said, I don't like to walk along. He said, don't worry about it. You can park. So I get there maybe two, two and a half hours before the game. I mean, it's like like I'm, a, you know, right there at the press box at, at Georgia. I mean, I drive right up there. No parking, you know. Guys, attendant or anything, and I'm looking over there. There's a guy. There's there's uh, co-eds and and guys in these trees sitting in the tree smoking weed. <laughs> <laughs> it's unreal now. And then I go to the stadium. I go to the stadium. And, I mean, pregame, there's nothing there. And I mean, it's a big game. I don't know if they're playing. Uh, it's a Pac-12 game, but you know, like twenty-five thousand people there. But uh, I mean. It's just going to be interesting for, you know, I don't think playing on the road is going to hurt Auburn there. I just think Cal's a pretty good team. Yeah. 
Two more questions from the event, and then we'll get to some from YouTube. I've been good. Says, what hotel should I book for the national championship game? Marriott. No, Hilton. I need, I need, I need the Marriott's open for my staff. I'm down in Houston. Yep. Yeah, and you got probably going to need to get an Airbnb. They're probably all sold out. I tell you what, uh, folks, if you're looking for a sign, the address for the Houston Stadium is on Kirby Drive. So if you're trying to figure out how, you know, how close do I need to be, that could be your starting point. Look for hotels, and then uh, when it says close to, just type in, type in Kirby Drive so you know where to where you can walk down there. Not saying that it'll happen, but, I mean, it's almost designed for it. And I'll combine these last two from the vent. And I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but um, Awakened Dog says, was Dane drunk or is Carson Beck just not it? Matt Gatta uh, says, uh, Matt G-A-T-A, does coach agree with Dane uh, that George is not winning a national championship with Beck at quarterback? That's what I said on the postgame overreaction show. It is an overreaction. After I watched the tape, I felt much better about it. So I don't even agree with what I said on the show. Um, so I was wrong in saying that. And I just I think, think it's more incomplete. There are things that I need to see. It's incomplete right now. There's always a question about, you know, the potential of a new quarterback. And I think that it's just uh, when he gets more into the fire and has to do it and make a big drive when they're behind and all that, that that's, that's out there. But uh, I trust the coaches. I feel like they made decision based on what they think is best for the team. And uh, if things aren't working out, it looks like we've got some other guys that can do it too. So uh, there's a lot of guys on our team that are going to have to prove themselves. And one of the new corners, uh, you know, the left tackle is going to have to keep developing. I mean, whatever it might be, it's not just the quarterback, but uh, the, the thing you always hope as a coach is your supporting cast is going to develop along with your quarterback. So um, he's definitely capable, that's for sure. It's all. It's always easier to take the field. What? How many? How many FBS teams are there? 132 or something like that. It's easier to say, "Hey, I'm going to take the field versus the rating champ," because it's so hard to do it. I mean, you needed a missed field goal last year to get into that game. You needed uh, turnovers to go your way. You needed a crazy play from Brock Bowers to extend a drive. You know, where he levitates in the air, puts one hand out. Uh, I mean, one team's going to get there, but a lot of times it is luck. You know, I mean, some of the Alabama championships, Tennessee championships, uh, and anybody you look at, there's one point in the season where you just got lucky. And uh, yeah, I think that's that's a really good point. And uh, this is just reality. That is no brag, but two of the three years that uh, that we had a really good run at Oklahoma, uh, we didn't win the national championship, and we were better than the year we won it, but. We had mistakes that killed us. Drop punts inside the five for two touchdowns, and our starting quarterback didn't play in the national championship game. So that, that's big. And Marshall, uh, our left tackle, uh, tears his ACL going through the bags on the day before we practice. You know, yeah. you know those are things you just can't. You, you can't. Uh, you know. For, uh, our center gets caught for smoking weed on the on the ace on the national test the the week before we played Boise State in the semifinals and we can't run the shotgun with our second team center and uh, we because you know it was a, like taking a fair catch from him every time he snapped it so <laughs> you know, those are things that, that are realistic yeah that happen to teams uh, 
And, uh, you know, you look at our team when we lost some really good players uh, that one year when uh, Bama got us. Uh, but it's just – it's a long year, and let's enjoy it. Amen. All right, I want to mention our friends before we get to some of the other questions uh, over at Dead Soxy. And I know that I uh, had someone reach out to me the other day and they said, well, in Dead Soxy, an Ole Miss company? I'm like, well, yeah, it was founded by some Ole Miss guys. And right now they have an NIL deal with Ole Miss. They had uh, uh, Lane Kiffin tweeting out a picture of the socks he's wearing. But they're trying to do this with a bunch of other schools. So uh, right now they have, I won't call it a Georgia collection, but they have a red and black collection on their site that you can check out. Uh, and if you use promo code UGA Sports, you get 25, it's going to be 20% off on any of your orders. And I tell you, these are fantastic looking socks for game day. So if you get a chance, reach out to our friends at Dead Soxy. They even have a little a Dead Soxy club where you get free socks. So check them out. And again, they support this show. So we ask you to support them. You have to have socks. You have to wear them. You've been hearing about them for two years. Just try them, see what you think. I think you'll be very, very happy if, if you do so. Um, and I also want to mention our friends at this. This is a new uh, sponsor for us. This is Better Life Science. This is the company that was developing all of the COVID tests. They were making the COVID test for the big COVID uh, pandemic that we had. And here's the thing. They were the first to find COVID in the state of Georgia. So they were, this is somebody who jumped in later. They were right on the cutting edge of this. They heard about it when it was in other countries. They got prepped for it. And they were the first ones doing the testing. They were doing mass scale testing because they do it really quickly. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's a kind of a COVID uh, coming back. But what they've done was when COVID kind of died down, they switched a lot of their testing to food and allergy testing. And they will, you can go to mybls.com, my better life science, just five letters, M Y B L S. Go to better life science, register for the kits. You can buy it online, they send it to you. Um, and basically, you send them a, a little blood sample back, a little pinprick, send it back to them. And incredibly quickly, they will have, test, have you tested for hundreds of airborne allergies, food allergies, uh, any sort, all sorts of stuff like that. I did mine, found out the only thing I'm allergic to is paper wasp venom. Did not know that. So now I avoid paper wasp. Well, not even allergic. I would have a reaction to it. I thought I had some other allergies, but I don't. So if you have kids, you have older people in your family, you have, you have, you know, they, they, every school should do this. Uh, every football team should do this. Georgia needs to do this right away. Just get everybody tested so you don't have an incident that you didn't know about. So when you have hundreds of things, and it's a really easy uh, uh, report to analyze. Coach had his done. Of course, he's not allergic to any damn thing. He's super work. 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 <laughs> lie. But check out mybls.com. And it's a company that's uh, one of the partners of it is Josh Millard. So you know you like Josh. You know Josh wouldn't steer you wrong. So hit up my Alan Brock, Alan Brock and Adam Strange, great Georgia supporters. Uh, they're, really, they're really uh, huge fans of uh, Georgia football along with Josh. Uh, hope everybody get that checked. And I think it's just uh, comforting at my age. I know I got some issues with my health, but I always try to keep up with it. But it's nice to know that you're not that you don't have some hidden allergy. Especially uh, like I'm allergic to this. I'm allergic. To that. No, you're not. I mean, we can prove it. Or hey, you're not allergic to that. You're allergic to this. So I think that's important. All right, Dan. Question from Cody, Coach. I watched the All Twenty Two, and I was curious if you think Malachi Starks is the best safety in America, and maybe even the best of the Kirby Smart era. He was all over the field. It's crazy. 
Yeah, I think Malachi's got a chance to be a really special player. Uh, you know, he, he he's very active and he can redirect and he's smart and he's taking advantage of some premium coaching from both uh, Coach Smart and Coach Muschamp and uh, and Coach Schumann. He really knows the the defense even a lot better than he did last year. So he he's better at coming off the hash in zone coverage. He's great at run support. I would say that our two safeties as a, as a tandem are right up there with anybody's. I don't, I haven't seen enough, but he, he's definitely a premier player. Drew asked, why doesn't Georgia schedule more night games? Is that a TV decision? Yes. Yeah. That's nothing to do with Georgia. I mean, we're at the mercy of these uh, people that schedule it. Just like that game was on a streaming situation the other day. That's part of the contract. You know, you got to have every team get streamed once a year to to help the uh, ESPN Plus and SEC Plus. They're streaming. So, uh, but we're at the mercy of the, uh, you know, CBS has got the first pick, ESPN the second. It goes on down to SEC Network. I would think hopefully maybe the – Ole Miss game could be a doubleheader game where we, we get the last game at night when they play us. Or There's nothing like that night atmosphere. I mean, you think back to that Auburn game when uh, Stetson was starting very early. Uh, just unbelievable. I thought it was great. Unfortunately, a lot of times with those doubleheaders, they tend to side with the SEC West team for the late game just because of the time zone. Right. But SEC West – in this case, would be Ole Miss coming over here, but uh, we—I don't know. I, I don't even know if we're going to get a game day here. Who knows? The way it works for people that don't understand it's because uh, people say, "Well, Georgia could make its preferences known. Georgia could pressure them to give them a night game." That doesn't work at all. This is through—I'm on my third or fourth uh, athletic director, and I can tell you this for a fact, after having spoken to just about all of them. Uh, what will happen is the rights holders will come out and say. Uh, here's the slate of games. This is the game we want. They're trying to pick the largest audience. So if ESPN has first pick, they pick the, the game they want for their time slot. If CBS is number two, then they pick the game they want. If Jefferson Pilot is number three or CSS or any of the old people that are defunct now, SEC Plus, whoever it is, it's it's like a draft. The rights holders get to pick, you know, and they have an order in which they pick. And it just so happens that sometimes the Georgia game, they don't think it's going to bring them enough viewership at their spot or their spot is noon or their spot is four or their spot is three 30. And that's the game they want. So they pick Georgia. That's why you don't get a night game. So it's, uh, it's nothing Josh Brooks could do. There's nothing uh, uh, Greg McGarity could do. You can't lean on him because you, who are you going to lean on and call up the head of the CBS and go, Hey, give us a night game. He's going to be like, and, and lose 200,000 viewers. Screw you. You don't, you don't have any there. Look at it this week. It's really good planning by then. They're going to have the number one team in the nation at 12 o'clock, and they're going to have Alabama and Texas, which is going to be the game at 7. So, you know, you kind of got your cake and eat it too. They're, they're not competing for time, you know, against each other. A uh, question from Leanne. Raylan Wilson wasn't mentioned when you were running through injuries. How's he doing? I think just the fact that he had a, a, a slight knee injury uh, didn't require any kind of uh, repair. Uh, it gives you encouragement that they're just waiting for it to get a little more stable. But he definitely uh, 
is somebody we could use. I mean, he's, he's a very talented guy. Daniel asks, are there any hunches for QB2 at this point? I mean, in the order of play, it was Vandegrift and then Stockton. I think that this the fact that uh, Brock's been around and, uh, you know, really the first time he completed the pass the other day because he hasn't hardly even thrown any, but uh, I've, both of these guys are very viable at, at coming in and, and taking over for your offense. And it gives you a little bit different dimension from the standpoint that both of them have the ability to maybe throw on the run better, can run the zone read, can run the quarterback draw, uh, which Beck can do to a certain extent, but it gives the defense something else to prepare for. Uh, and uh, I will say this, I told both of you guys, watch out for Alabama if Milrow gets it rolling because this guy is a bigger Jalen Hurts, maybe not quite as good a passer, but faster uh they, they made the commitment to uh, going back to more traditional spread stuff like they're doing under uh, Lane Kiffin, not dropping back as much. Uh, Alabama's going to be a force. Caleb Downs made eight tackles the other day. Oh, hmm. that, that, was, that was going to hurt forever. We're going to have a good around the league this week because I'm excited about Ole Miss going to Tulane. I, I think that's going to be a really good game. Tulane's tough. I mean, uh, that, that guy, Fritz, is really good. Uh, I, I read the story where he was uh, – everybody talked about things that happened to you on the headphones. He said he was on the headphones out there when he was coaching at one of those smaller schools in Kansas. And for some reason, the uh, airport came in and was, was listening to a plane. Uh, <laughs> told him they need to get off. And he said, I'm not getting off. They're going for a touchdown there. And he, and so he was getting on this one guy's butt, you know, say like riding the bus. And uh, so then the uh, control tower said, what do you think? And, and the guy that was getting ready to approach, so oh, I'm, I'm glad I'm not riding the bus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, final question for the day, and I think you probably answered this in the intro with the players missing, but Phil Rogers asked, Coach Donna, do you think Georgia should have thrown deeper more often on Saturday? I think going back, there's a chance we probably could have, but uh, down in distance, we were early in the game. It's hard to have a waste down. That's what I mean where you you got second one, second four, and you fake and throw deep because we weren't making any first downs. So you're trying to make first downs with shorter passes. And, and we had just enough lost yardage plays, the first play of the game, a couple others, where they took a chance that gets you behind the sticks. Hard to throw deep knowing that it, lesser percentage when you're trying to make a first down, but I would see more deep throws this week against this team, that's for sure. Coach, I was seeing a lot, and maybe I'm thinking of Florida specifically, but I, I saw this a lot around the country of teams on third and long or, or maybe even third and medium a little bit, trying to, to do runs, runs off the edges, and, and not throwing as much. Does it take a few games into the season to really find comfort in, in that intermediate passing game? Because it just seemed like a low percentage to get the first down. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. But it, here's the thing. If you're backed up and you're not really good at protecting and you're worried about turning the ball over uh, uh, an edge run or a trap or a quarterback draw and let's punt it, it's better than working on throwing in tight windows and letting the team maybe get a tip ball and things like that. So, that's probably why you saw a little bit more of that. Now, as they get more 
adept at throwing those break routes and protecting, they'll maybe go for it. And particularly if your defense is playing good, nothing wrong with punting, uh, especially when you got a punter like we got. I, I do feel like I'm going to protect one he thing. Was a, he was the second best punter on the field. Come on. Yeah, he was the other day, but that guy took some drama mean coming down there when he went off the horse. He was from South he was from South Africa, and he didn't want to take that varsity deal. So they went to eat those hot dogs. But here's the thing. People can't keep up with our show. Here's the thing that you're going to see more of with the clock rule like it is. I, I predict there's going to be more teams going for it on their side of the 50 on fourth and short than ever before because you got limited possessions. You, you, you know, you punt the ball there maybe in the old days when the clock's stopping more, but – I can see if, if you're a little bit better than that other team, maybe going for it and not uh, punting the ball. Let's, let's watch the rest of the year and see if more teams go for it. We can write that one down and check it at the end. There'll be stats on that. That'll be, that's a, that'd be a hell of a prediction if you get that I'll one right. Be, I'll probably be up in the air. But I would – tell you what, based on – I look at the rules, how I can get an advantage on them and what to use, I feel like I'd go for it more. I'd run some of the – hard counts. You know, you see some of these teams shifting around and all that. Everybody knows they're doing that to try to get you offside. We used to call our place whatever the other team that we hated the most, like at Marshall it might be, whoever it might be at, at Oklahoma. But we for Florida, we call it on the gator, which that meant if you jumped offside, you were a complete dumbass. So <laughs> If we called it on the gator, we would go up there and we would call our regular snap count, but we wouldn't snap the ball. So it said, blue 14, blue 14. And if they didn't jump offside, then we would run the next play on the regular count. Set, blue 32, go. And we would go on and run it. If they didn't jump offside, we'd run a good play on them. But it worked like 90% of the time my whole career. Because your players, and the one thing that the best coaching point I ever got on it, and I heard it from a high school coach someplace out in uh, rural Missouri, was when they did that, they told their linemen to just close their eyes until they started the second snap count. And the idea was you're not going to watch people moving. You just close your eyes until the quarterback gets through the first repetition. Then when he starts the second, you open your eyes. So. That's what. We, so if our players look like they're going to sleep, that's what we used to do. I'm gonna steal that. That's a good one. Um, that's all the questions we have, man. We're out of time on the show. So that was. Thanks everybody for the great questions. It really helps us make sure that we're serving you the best we can. Uh, good to see Brady Pest Management in here, uh, sponsor of one of our shows, and of course, there Jermaine King, who's also a big fan of it, and I see Blind Squirrel and a bunch of others. We appreciate everybody joining into the comment section there. Al, Brad, Gerald, Jay. Uh, Phil, Drew, Cody, Tony Wilson, Sacred Grove, and of course, Bill Rogers, who's always with us each week. We appreciate it, folks, and we will see you next Tuesday at noon. Take care.